Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am glad you're here. The Finding Refuge podcast emerged from a desire to have conversations about the intersection of grief and liberation. This podcast explores how we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. It features guests from various backgrounds, lineages, and lived experiences. I hope you enjoy listening. I'm excited to bring you today's episode with Erin Trent Johnson. Erin Trent Johnson is a Black Mama Body, embodied coach and liberation guide, storyteller, and facilitator. Erin lives by the words of the Combahee River Collective statement, if Black women were free, it would mean that everyone else would have to be free since our freedom would necessitate the destruction of all the systems of oppression. Erin is the creator of Black Mama Body Experience, an embodied communal healing and creative refuge, an abundant home place for Black, Indigenous, and women and femme bodies of culture. In community, Erin holds spaces that ignite spiritual rebellion and remembrance within systems of extraction and exploitation. Through story, art, ritual, testimony, and witness, Black Mama Body is the womb of creation. Erin is also the founder of Community Equity Partners, a coaching and consulting practice focused on reimagining systems and institutions that produce Black health and wholeness, wealth. As a certified professional coach, trained facilitator of group dynamics, somatics, racial justice, political activism, and community organizing, Erin knows how institutions, systems, and politics function and reproduce harm specifically for Black women, femme, queer, poor, and disabled, and neuroexpansive bodies. Erin's purpose and lineage has called on her to hold sacred communal space for Black nourishment, imagination, and the healing of intergenerational, structural, and everyday institutional and personal trauma. Erin is a journey woman who practices ritual and deep nerding out and liberatory play. Erin has coached and facilitated liberated learning and leadership development experiences for people and institutions around the world, trained and mentored coaches and therapists, and continues her practice and study of somatics, abolition, and spiritual practice with Black, Indigenous, and bodies of culture around the world. Erin is a fifth-generation Philadelphian, descendant of the laborers, the healers, the domestic workers, farmers, and wisdom keepers. She lives with her partner in life, Ajamu, and daughter, Maya. Erin loves to dance, swim, wander, garden, and play with her daughter, Maya. I hope you enjoy this episode and conversation with Erin Trent Johnson. Welcome, Erin. It is so good to be in virtual space with you and to see you. And I really appreciate that you made time to be in conversation with me today. So thank you for being here. Mm, thank you, Michelle. I, I, um, I am so grateful to be able to be in space with you. And this is a joy and a pleasure. Yeah, I remember when we met uh, years ago, 
and we were both facilitating for a uh, corporation. And I think you were pregnant when I met you. Yeah. In person, oh, yeah. <laughs> you were pregnant and I remember, and, um, and throughout the years since then, of course, we've, we've been in some of the same circles and do some similar work and it's just been an honor to be in, in circle with you, even if it's been like virtually or sort of from afar, or if it felt like there was distance, know that like, you're always in my, in my circle. Yeah. Yes. I, um, uh, I share in that I, um, I feel like I often feel such resonance and connection. And whenever I receive any message that comes from you, it is like the synchronicity is is divine so i can feel i can feel that spirit that spirit driven that spiritual connection um in every way yes Mm -hmm. and i also feel blessed that i was able to meet you uh before i birthed my daughter because um i very much have carried uh i think uh, so much from that connection into my mothering thank you for for sharing that and um, I know one thing we're going to talk about is a space you've created called Black Mama Body Experience. And that just made me think of that. And I would love for you to share some about who you are, what you do in the world, anything you want listeners to know um, about who you are. Sure. Um, well, I will say first and foremost, I am a Black Mama Body. I introduced myself in that way. Um, I uh, I am a fifth-generation Philadelphian, Um, and I'm bringing that forth now in a way that I never did before because I hadn't really spent a lot of time connecting the dots around the depth of lineage that exists for my people here on the land that I am where I live, the Lenape land, um, and also the journey that they took to get here that has been something that I have been sitting with and also six generations out of enslavement. And so there's a lot of um, my ancestral guidance that I think has brought me to um, both the being that I am and the work that I do and the art that I make. Um, So I am a facilitator of Um, many different spaces. um, But over the years, those spaces have been racial equity and racial justice oriented spaces. And as you mentioned, uh, working as a trainer and a consultant um, with many organizations, corporations, governments, institutions, etc. And from there, I really um, became really focused on um, the embodied healing and transformation um, that is necessary for our collective liberation. And I specifically center that liberation for black folks. And from there really are working towards that. I'm working towards that uh, liberation with uh, black and indigenous and all bodies of culture. And I can talk a little bit about why I use the language bodies of culture versus people of color in that um, in the practice that I'm engaged with uh, around uh, somatic abolitionism or an embodied liberation practice, our bodies are the holders of not only our spirit, our soul, but of culture. And so the people of color language, um, while we use it, is also a language that measures us in comparison to the white body as standard. So um, that uh, work uh, has has really informed 
my coaching. Um, and that coaching, I think, very much started off as what you would call executive coaching, right? Um, and in many spaces, a lot of folks are looking for um, now they are, you know, when I first started, and I would say that, you know, I'm a, a racial equity or racial justice coach at the time, we'd be like, what is that? Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, can you teach people to be less racist? And so um, I really came into coaching um, to to support the liberation, the, the liberation of of the bodies that would um, be most harmed by all forms of supremacy. And over time, that work has really transformed my life. Um, and so my vocation um, really is a part of my purpose work and has expanded to a spiritual practice and a fully embodied practice and a creative practice. Um, and so my support or work with groups and um, with individuals is all around accessing or finding the resource within to come home to ourselves and to be witnessed and seen and then to be able to, to create, right? To have enough room in our nervous systems and enough um, connection to the source um, within to be able to create and to be creative. And that to me is the highest form of, of liberation. Thank you for sharing some about your work in the world and the evolution of your work and the connection between the different parts of your work, ways that you work. Um, it brought up a lot of different questions I have related to embodiment and creativity and the fullest expression of who we can be as liberated souls and beings. And I'm curious to know first, and it may not be one thing, but what sort of led you on this journey of embodiment to come home to yourself? I know you just said that in relation to your work. It seems like th that mirrors the work that you do mirrors your own process and journey, it sounds like. And so I'm just curious about what do you understand about your path and, and sort of the journey towards embodiment and the fullest expression of who you are is probably the question mm. I want to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, the first word that came to me was pain, but, but um, and I, and, and I say that not in jest, uh, I say that truthfully, it was both my pain, the pain in my body that I was overriding or ignoring. And that be, um, that was uh, pain that existed due to uh, generational trauma um, that, that I was experiencing and that was being triggered by the work that I was doing, not by the, the, the intentions of doing racial equity work, but the, um, the fact that I think my original approach to racial justice and racial equity was very much, let's teach them how to stop doing harm. Let's teach, let's learn our way out of the systems of, of our demise. Um, and also the ways in which I had to override the, uh, in order to survive in, in both in institutions or in my relationship with institutions as a consultant, as a trainer, um, as an employee was to override the, um, the true experience within my body. So I didn't even know this, right? But it would show up in, in, in all kinds of survival moves and, and coping mechanisms. And this was rooted in my experience beyond this lifetime, right? And so there was a way in which 
I was experiencing a great experiencing a great deal of embodied pain because I was trying to fix things that were beyond my responsibility. And I was also noticing this for so many of the of the people that I was coaching and supporting, many of whom um, were bodies of culture, women and femme bodies of culture, many of whom specifically were black women who not only mirrored my experience, but also the experience of my mother, my mother's mother, and many of my family members. And so there was a way in which I recognized that I could give out all the, all the tools, all the resources, like we could have, you know, all the book clubs and do all of the, uh, the unlearning and ultimately these systems of demise, this, the, the structures that um, we are trying to dismantle live in our DNA. And this is not of us, right? This is not something that we created. Um, and so the work that I had to do for myself, I think did not become completely clear. I was like starting to get pieces of it, even when we first met when I was pregnant and I was on an airplane every other week, right? Not even acknowledging my body's needs, carrying a child, carrying a black child, carrying a child while I was actually living in fear for my own body around birthing a, a black child and, and how I would be responded to. And I was holding that fear clenched, control clenched. And it very much showed up in um, my postpartum experience and my birthing experience. It showed up in, in how I related to who I thought I was supposed to be um, as a mother in the way that I was supposed to be raising a free child. And what did that even mean? And was I doing it good enough? And so there were so many ways in which I became conscious of how I was leaving my body. I don't think that it became as clear as it is now, and it's still an evolution. But I think towards the end of 2020, and you, you know, 2020, if you were doing any racial equity work, or, you know, what is now the package of DEI, <laughs> if you were doing any of, of that work, you know, for the first month of the pandemic, there was like terror because, oh, now I'm not on the airplanes anymore. And I, and what work are we, how am I going to shift my work? How do I get on Zoom? What is Zoom? And then suddenly it was, um, oh, your phone won't stop ringing off the hook from every single person in the world after George Floyd was lynched, then come and fix my institution. And my, uh, my body's reaction was freeze. Like I, I um, was grieving, but wasn't even allowing myself to actually grieve. And it was something that I had never been taught. I was not taught how to properly grieve. And so I actually came upon um, this book, My Grandmother's Hands. I had been doing some, some work around understanding racialized trauma and somatics. And I was working with a somatic coach myself. And I really started to understand how um, my own embodiment and the way that I was uh, shaped was very much um, holding me in a pattern of caretaking and fixing um, and leaving my body in order to do so. 
And, you know, I could justify it and say, oh, but I'm doing it for my people. My people need me now more than ever. And by the end of the year, I'd say this was probably in, in, in November, I couldn't lift my left arm. Um, I had frozen shoulder. This had happened before, but I had ignored it before. Um, and my jaw would completely lock and I would go to acupuncture and uh, my acupuncturist would say, you know, we're going to keep working on this, but ultimately there's something at the root that we're not getting to. And so there was a recognition that I needed to stop and I didn't know how, but what came to me from spirit and, and, and definitely was abundantly clear was that I needed a pause. And so I went on sabbatical and spent a lot of time with Octavia Butler on sabbatical. I can tell you, <laughs> um, but I all, and, and, and I'll, I'll come back to Octavia and embodiment, but there was, there was something in me that said, you don't know how to do this, this kind of rest, this kind of pause, not for the purpose of becoming more productive or more creative or to create anything just for the purpose of being. And so that for the next year, that was what I was called into. And so my uh, journey to embodiment, literally it was a journey home to this body um, and learning how to be in this body. And that was a revolutionary act. That was a revolutionary act because I had been running from this body for 40 years. And likely that is because of 400 years of bodies in my lineage running. Mm -hmm. So I'm very conscious of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate everything you shared and the ancestral connection and this process of coming back to yourself and to your body and the awareness that part of the reason you were running and the different ways you were, we have different patterns around this was not solely about you and your experience in this body, right? It was generations of trauma that you were carrying. And then the process of learning, unlearning and learning, right? How do I want to be um, what is it like to be, what is it like to be in this moment or this body? And before we, I started, we started recording. I know one thing that we um, talked about discussing during the interview was inflammation. And what is so interesting to me about what you just said, and my own story is I have lymphedema and my mother has lymphedema, um, a much sort of more intense case of it at this point than I do. And my grandmother had lymphedema and I've done like ancestral clearings, all of, I, I know it's ancestral. I know it's about um, running and stopping because the lymphedema I have is in my legs and water just gets stuck there sometimes to the point where it's just, I'm just achy. Um, mm. And, and I'm a, like, it took a while for me to become aware that, oh, this is ancestral. It's not it's not just you, like this is, you know, how your nervous system is wired, but that's connected to your ancestors, right? It's no mistake, but the doctors are like, it's not genetic. And I was like, mm, okay, mm -hmm. riddle me this, mm -hmm. like, why do mm -hmm. three people have it in my family? And now my, we found out my aunt has it. So I, I just appreciate the like awareness of what we're carrying in our bodies and what we, what we might need to shed and the process of shedding and like 
understanding and becoming aware um, and then agency we have around that and choice, right, to be a different way. And I'd love for you, you mentioned frozen shoulder, but I'd love that you experienced and this message of like, you need to rest, right? We need to get to the root of the root of the root. And so I would love for you to talk some about inflammation because it's such an indication that something is disrupted. You know, when, when anything becomes inflamed, there's a disruption in the immune systems trying to like repair, but there's a point when that it's, it's past that point. Right. And there needs to be some recovery actually before we can repair. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. That's how I'm thinking. Uh, hmm so I'd love yes. to have you talk some about it. Um, yeah. So first I just want to affirm and uh, recognize um, the power of the awareness, right? When you, when you named that, the awareness of, oh, this is, this is genetic generational and there's nothing wrong with my people. Because I think that part of what happens at least I know for me is that there's a, uh, and not for me, we know this, right? That there is a great deal of shame that can be attached to illness and dis-ease and imbalance um, because we live in, in an ableist world, right? That, that perpetuates those shame stories, but also there's fear. And I know for me, my mother has rheumatoid arthritis, has had it since I was um, in college. Um, and I've watched and experienced uh, the debilitation that she has experienced in her body, but also the cousins uh, on the, my female cousins um, or my women identified cousins on that side of my family all have some form of autoimmune disease that is related. Lupus RA, lupus RA. My, both my brothers have as, had asthma growing up, right? Uh, there were always these chronic illnesses that we would just kind of be like, oh, yes, yeah, so-and-so has that. It's genetic, right? But there wasn't a, a, a place to understand what that meant. And I will say that, you know, over the, the last year after having COVID, um, I have experienced a great deal of inflammation in my body and my body, my body, my body, mind. Um, my body mind expresses itself as, as neuroexpansive with ADHD. I, you know, finally had a diagnosis, but for years had no information until I find out that other members of my family have ADHD. And because no one was speaking to it because of the way that it was stigmatized and, and led to criminalization in my family, I could see the way in which the chronic disease was related to the chronic or the intergenerational trauma. And they actually manifest themselves um, in a parallel form. Um, and so in understanding more, um, and I was, of course, this is again, for like doing all the research because I also have ADHD, so I get hyper-focused. So I will go down some rabbit holes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was just like, I have to understand the way in which my immune system is hyperactive and the way in which our immune systems are responding to a fire that may not even be there anymore, but is still responding and showing up as dis-ease and imbalance. And that I didn't do something, that we didn't do something, that something was done to us or to our people before us. And so I could very much then sit with the idea that Oh, right. Like 
I, my, my, my brain is not deficient, right? Because ADHD is another form of, of inflammation. Um, and, and also similarly, a generational, the most uh, genetically passed on disorder, which I found out recently, and also misunderstood completely by the Western medical model. Um, and so they're both autoimmunity and the expressions of neuroexpansiveness or neuroexpansive mind are, are responses to trauma. Just as trauma is the body's response to an event that happened and is no longer happening, but the body is still responding, the inflammation is still trying to act to put out that fire. And so in the awareness, because I think I definitely spent a lot of time, again, overriding pain, being like, oh, I just need to take something for this, or I just need to do more yoga, or I need to lose weight, or I need to gain weight, or I need to do, right? And the ways in which I thought that it was my uh, behavioral patterns, my um, responses, and that it was not structural and cultural and communal. That was, that was a hard journey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think because of the embodiment and somatic awareness and the structural and politicized somatic awareness I had, I could root my understanding of the pain in something that allowed me to see that, oh, my people haven't just been doing things, eating poor foods or doing things to pass this down to me. We are not collectively making bad decisions. We're collectively experiencing cultures and environments that are causing our bodies and our body minds to react. And our immune systems are reacting for our protection. And unfortunately, it it seems as though they're turning on us. Um, And this is the same awareness that I have around my trauma responses. Um, And so that experience for me um, has been medicine in and of itself, having that awareness and having a communal space, um, having community to bear witness so that the only messages that I'm receiving are from doctors who are all telling me a I'm making it up or I don't, or they don't have an explanation because they can only go to the limits of their understanding, um, which is to specialize in, in their, in their small area and not see all of my systems as, as intertwined or to pathologize my, my mind and my body. Um, And so the agency I think has really been rooted in that awareness, also rooted in the awareness that like my ancestors knew they, they knew they had the medicine that, that existed um, and the way that they lived before, um, before capture, before exploitation, before extraction provided the medicine and the cultural environment, the communal environment where this imbalance will be treated as a community issue and not something that um, individuals were suffering with. And so coming out of COVID, which I think is the ultimate example of what it looks like when individuals are targeted as the issue or people's individual choices will determine life or death rather than this is a cultural and community response to the earth's response to how we're treating the earth. Um, And so that has been, I think, the full circle 
Sankofa awareness, right, that I have around um, around this around these fires in our bodies, this inflammation. Yeah, I, I, it so resonates what you just named uh, everything and what you named at the end about COVID and how it um, is a reflection of what we are doing to each other and the planet and a response to that, which is certainly how I've felt about it. Not that I understand all of why it's happening or I'm not a scientist or doctor and energetically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a virus that like attacks the respiratory system and grief is where the lungs, um, grief is held in the lungs. I mean, all of these and inflammation happens in response and people are living with that inflammation for a long time. And so kind of like if we don't take care of why we're inflamed and we don't look at how we're actually inflaming the planet and all the ways we've done that, we're, we're going to be sick, right? We'll continue to be sick. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I that or that understanding really resonates with me. And what you said about the planet mirroring back to us, or COVID mirroring back to us, the work we need to do to heal, and that we can only do that in community, which is actually what many of our ancestors way, way, way back were doing, right? And still mm-hmm. do. They're, we've been reclaiming the practice these practices. I'm curious to know how, um, for you, community is supporting your healing at this time and mm-hmm. has supported you if you'd want to share some about that. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I'll say that um, I've, I, I think in this time of what for me, has felt like a, a great deal of isolation, right? This, you know, a lot of folks are like beyond COVID um, and because I do have a compromised immune system and I do have family members who have compromised immune system, I haven't been just like running back into the streets. Like I just went to my, like, uh, my first kind of public gathering. Um, and I, I had a lot of anxiety around that. And yet the care that was created for, um, all of our bodies in the various needs that we had in response to us being major- majority Black bodies, um, Black women and femme non-binary bodies, knowing that um, that we were at the most risk, the the that communal space provided the most responsive care and and zero gaslighting. So you know now if if you're entering into a space you know, and you have a mask on, people look at you like, what's wrong with you? Well, I had COVID and I actually am still experiencing the inflammation and the repercussions in multiple systems in my body. So I know it's real. Um, And I would say that um, while I had COVID, I actually remember being in my bed and still learning how to rest because I still have to fight the productivity monster inside. Um, And I remember connecting with some of my dear kin and colleagues and friends who are are also um, somatic practitioners and um, coaches and therapists who I think really understood how I needed support that was beyond chicken soup. And that my ability to actually recognize both the the gift of the pain and the illness and also to be with, to allow myself to actually to feel the sadness. I felt a great deal of sadness when I was when I was sick. 
um, and fear, fear that I might have infected other people. And so I, I actually started reading um, while I was listening because I couldn't could barely open my eyes. But I started listening to the book Inflamed, um, Deep Medicine and the Anatomy of Injustice by Rupa Maria and Raj Patel. And I was reading it in kind of like book club style with a couple of other friends. And I then, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, wait, this book is, which is incredible, um, is making those very connections between the inflammation that lives in our bodies and how that, and the root causes, right? Not the symptoms that produce that the doctors give all the medications for that don't actually address the real issue, but the roots, those roots being trauma, those roots being colonization, those roots being enslavement and genocide. Um, and the cultural ways of coloniality that are also, that also exist within institutions, all institutions and the way that we relate to the earth. And it was just like, <laughs> like okay. Um, so there was a huge awareness for me. And I knew that every message that kept coming clear to me, every download it, that kept coming to me while in that bed, was we heal um, when we are witnessed, we heal when we have an understanding of the root so that we can transmute the shame that might be held in our bodies as individuals when we're seen. And uh, that became abundantly clear. And so as I was coming out of COVID and, and I'd also made a huge transition in my work where I decided I was no longer going to do the DEI package and um, and train institutions that really didn't want to make uh, true change, right? They wanted to use the right words and figure out all of that. And you know that very well, right? And yes. so if you were, if they weren't, I was like, I can't do that no more because that's what's trying to kill me. That also, right. that extractive relationship is trying to kill me. And now they're trying to kill every black woman who had a different role in every institution and make her the mm -hmm. head of DEI or the head of even the institution. Um, and I'm, I'm witnessing that. I'm like, no, there's, there's another way. I don't know what it is yet, which is why I had Octavia Butler with me because I was like, I need to, from this bed, reimagine another possibility for me in this world and how I relate to labor and how I relate to this body. And I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to try some something new. And so uh, from that bed, um, uh, I started to envision uh, a communal witnessing space to try and experiment with, um, with being, right? And that was just like, what is that? Like, Aaron, what you doing? Like, that's what I was like. That was the <laughs> voice that was in my head. And I was like, nobody's gonna come to that and they're not gonna pay you for that. <laughs> um, and so there was uh, a great deal of understanding that that the the knowing that I had based off of my, like the scarcity that had been um, leading me and my body and, 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 um, and also I think holding me in that relationship with extraction and the exploitation of, of that work allowed me to say, you have a, you have a choice. You can live. And I remember I have a, a beautiful friend who is an ancestral healer and we were doing some work together. And he said to me, he said, 
you know, you can, you can create all kinds of cool workshops. You can do cool stuff, you know, um, but who is it serving and what's in it for you? And, and not from a, a selfish place, what's in it for you. Um, but if you're not experiencing the healing, what does that mean for those who you, you want to heal? Um, or, and then the, the next thing that he said was, the way that you are living is not living, it's death living. And I know that you want to live the life of the living. And I was like, oh, well, that's, well, damn. <laughs> and, and that was the truth. And, 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 and I know that that was coming from a survival that I'm not ashamed of because that is the survival that got me here um, and brought my daughter here. But I know that in order to be present in this world, in this life with her, and to envision something new for us all, I want to live the life of the living. And so that's what helped me birth uh, the Black Mommy, Black Black Mama Body experience. That was so um, potent. The you know living a life with the living of the living, not death living, and. I mean, it struck me. It was kind of like, whoa, you know, and struck my spirit, I'll say, in that way of like, why are we doing what we're doing? And that it's okay to, well, I'm not even say okay. It's necessary as we do our work and practice for us to prioritize our own healing, right? Especially those of us who are holding healing spaces and offering healing into the world and the way we do and that we need to be nourished, that we deserve to be nourished as we do this mm-hmm. even it's not a which is so counter to productivity and capitalism and so much of what we may have internalized as black women in this in this um culture because of systems like white supremacy and i'd love for you before we um close our time together i want to hear about black mama body experience and this communal space you've created i also want to uplift that you trust you like through COVID birthed the space. And even though you had doubts, you, you did it anyway, right? You were like, well, I don't know what this is going to look like. Right. And what am I thinking? And I'm going to do it anyway. I, I am appreciative that you listened to your intuition and voice and just like went for it. So I'd love to hear (laughs) some about it. Well, thank you. I definitely had a great deal of support. So I want to say that, you know, um, with my family, my partner, and also I think uh, a community of a spiritual community, um, a um, an embodied community, uh, a badass healer community of folks who wrap around me. Who I think without that, I wouldn't also know we heal in community. And I know this is something you know very well. Um, and so, what I think with Black Mama Body every time I kept trying to uh, create like the perfect program, which is what I used to always do before and would usually wind up with like some form of pain and then also exhaustion, et cetera. It didn't work. I would, my brain would freeze. I would say, Oh, it's, I did have brain fog from COVID. So that was also happening. And I would feel um, stuck around creating the right messaging. And then I just decided um, out of frustration with myself to just speak through poetry. Um, and I was just like, you know what? 
I'm going to experiment with art because that allows me to release control, which is something that is very challenging um, for, for me. Um, and especially as someone who has learned how to cope and navigate a neurotypical world where my brain doesn't, it works differently. And so speaking through poetry, speaking through um, long rambly messages and then seeing what emerges, emergence was uh, key for me and, and not having a script or a set outcome. And so I started to speak out like the dreams that I had for a space that could hold my body, a space that would allow me to allow me to experience the kind of settling in my own nervous system that it would allow me to just be and then see what emerged from there. And so that was, you know, it's like, okay, if, if I'm bringing in the, these drums, I know that I'm going to feel a rhythm that's going to allow me um, to actually feel um, a connection to this body. And then from there, I can make the invitation and other people might feel a connection. And whoever feels a connection, they're going to join me. So it wasn't about me working with marketing folks and saying, this is the target audience and this is who I want to heal and da, 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 which is definitely, again, how I knew how to move, how I've been conditioned and socialized. And from there, I think the more I expressed my complete uh, vulnerability, my unknowing, my undoing, that was a big part of it. One of my mentors told me, you need to undo. You've been doing too much. And I was like, oh, that's it, actually. This is a surrender practice. This is surrender. And so instead of trying to surrender, <laughs> which is what I would normally do, I'm actually going to be with whatever emerges. I'm going to share it. And that's an invitation. And that was the first Black Mama Body experience. And we held space and a course of uh, two months, um, we continued to evolve the experience and from their collective art would just happen. You know, folks would show up and this is a, a space that is um, for Black and Indigenous and women and femme bodies of culture. Um, and it was a space to be witnessed. It was a space to be vulnerable. It was a space to be seen. And it was a space to bring forth the art, the creativity, the creation self, that is the Black mama body, right? We are all descendants of a Black mama. All of us, everybody is a descendant of a Black mama, of a mitochondrial DNA. And, and there is also something I think that was very potent for me around remothering myself. So bringing that forth in this space as well and so it became uh, a space where we were able to, to create from a spark of creativity that happened through someone's storytelling or through my own storytelling or through the curation of art and music and dance. And this is all virtual. That's really um, what allowed me to see the power in, in a healing community, but the fact that just our being our being in these bodies and gathering to be is medicine. And it can sound very simple, um, but we were able to, I think, take what is very simple ancient medicine and bring it to a virtual space um, with, with the old medicines of music and drums and dance and art 
and also dreaming, right? So we were also doing some really like beautiful Afrofuturist freedom dreaming in, and we do still. And so we continue um, and, and this space is continuing to evolve, you know, what came from that first iteration really became what was like the praise house is the joy service. And then for those of us who like to geek out, which is also me, we bring an, a, a, an element of the joy service to the deep medicine study circle. And so this really came from the, and was inspired by the wisdom of inflamed and, and looking again at how we heal the wounds that are um, connected, right? That the intersection, at the intersection of our bodies, these systems and the earth. And so how we bring our pre-colonial wisdom, our pre-harm wisdom together and medicine together. Um, and that is, um, is such a deep and rich um, resource space. So, I essentially really was creating the community space that I needed and <laughs> it, it has, um, it has opened up portals of possibility um, within so many bodies, so many spirits, so many hearts that I'm honored to be um, holding space with and in community with. And we, we're continuing, we are continuing. <laughs> Right. So can people, I'm going to include your, your website and people can learn more about uh, this there and, and other, mm -hmm. other offerings. And yes, you can, you can find us on, on Instagram at the black mama, at black mama body experience. And you can definitely share the website, but the Instagram is, is usually where we were constantly updating okay. upcoming experiences. Um, and then we're going to start another cycle of the deep medicine study circle and the joy service in early 2023. I love hearing you. I mean, I read about Black Mama Body Experience when you sent out a notice. This was a while ago before it began and you were letting folks know about it and hearing you speak about it and how you came to it or how it came from you is different, right? Than reading the email, although I could feel the creativity and like birthing in the email and intention. Um, and so I, I, it just was a treat to hear you talk about it and how it emerged. And I'm, I'm also feeling grateful because I'm, I'm in many spaces where, and I at times do this too, where um, I, I might act out of my sort of wounded spaces or spaces where there's shame or sometimes actively resist the healing. <laughs> and what I notice in some spaces I facilitate and hold is that there can be a, a an attachment to our wounded wounds and sort of woundedness. I don't mean to suggest we're broken because I don't believe that. Um, mm -hmm. But I do know we've all experienced harm in some way. And, and it's particularly in the way we've talked about generationally and what we carry and then the, the shedding or unlearning. And just in listening to you to describe this, describe your work and Black Mama Body experience and it just made me really grateful to be in community with people who are um, devoted to operating out of some other place other than their wounded parts. Not, I mean, we have to let go into the wound, I feel like, mm -hmm. to heal. I don't mean bypass the wound. I just mean it, it feels like such a contrast um, to me to some what we're sharing about and the way you describe your practice and work and the healing work that you do and the community your your many communities you're a part of it just makes me deeply appreciative 
that there are healers, right? And I know many who are really invested in that and the expansion that happens when we are not limited um, by our wounds or um, by believing that's who we are. Like that is so much of what came to me as I was listening to you share. So I wanted to offer appreciation um, to you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. It's a journey and a practice. Um, so <laughs> like, like you said, and thank you for, for seeing me and thank you um, for recognizing that. Because I think finding that, that place in between possibility and peril um, or that possibility and pain, joy and grief to know we can hold those things and that they don't have to um, hold us has been a journey, has been a true journey. So it's Mm -hmm. a liberation journey. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, Thank you so much for your, thank you for being, I say this to people all the time. Thank you for being. And and sometimes they're like, what? I really mean it. Like, thank you for being, (laughs) just being who you are. (laughs) Yes. At this time on the planet. I'm so glad we're here together. And thank you for your practice and your creativity and your willingness to um, labor and birth in all the ways you name today and your willingness to learn how to rest um, and listen to your intuition I'm just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was such an honor to be in space with you in this way. And you, my friend, and you, I, I so, so, so enjoyed this time with you and any time with you. And I look forward to more. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Finding Refuge. If you are enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to share it with friends and family members and to rate it on iTunes. In addition to sharing about this podcast, you can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action, Yoga and Social Justice. I offer monthly movement and meditation practices, as well as a monthly divination reading. Lastly, I want to share that I have a new book coming out in April of 2023. We Heal Together, Rituals and Practices for Building Community and Connection. It is currently available for pre-order And you can go to the Penguin Random House website, search Michelle Johnson or We Heal Together, and pre-order my book. There are several spaces you can pre-order it from. Thank you so much, and take care.